Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. Carpe diem. Give me a head nod if you've heard that Latin phrase before. Carpe diem, seize the day. I'm going to take a guess that some, if not most of us, are familiar with this phrase, thanks to Robin Williams and his famous monologue in Dead Poet Society. Seize the day, right? Carpe diem, boys, make your lives extraordinary. It connected so much with, with people that at the 100th anniversary of American film, the American Film Institute named it as one of the top 100 quotes in the history of film. Carpe diem, seize the day. The first known use of this Latin phrase, uh, carpe diem, it can be found in a collection of poems written by Horace in approximately 25 BC. Horace wrote a book of four books of poems. And who knew that in book one, poem 11, this phrase would, would come up and truly stand the test of time. And I thought it'd be fun to hear that poem in its entirety. You should not ask, to know is a sin. Which ends the gods have given to me or to you? Nor should you meddle with Babylonian calculations. How much better to suffer, whatever will be, whether Jupiter gives us more winters or whether this is our last, which now weakens the Tyrrhenian sea on the pumice stones opposing it. Be wise, strain the wine, and cut back long hope into a small space. While we talk, Envious time will have fled. Seize the day, trusting as little as possible to the future. From the writings of Horace to the Dead Poet Society, seize the day. It's, it's resonated with, with human hearts and souls for thousands of years. And, and I think the reason it, it grips us so tightly is that it, it confronts one of humanity's greatest fears, Regret, particularly a fear of, of missed opportunities. Now, I've said this before, but, but maybe it's worth repeating. Given the nature of, of my job, I've had a disproportionate number of conversations with people who, who are preparing for the end of their own life. Whether it's because of a terminal diagnosis or just being aware that their body's slowing down, I, I semi-regularly end up talking, thinking, reflecting on life with people who are seeing it from the end. Well, earthly mistakes can be painful. From my experience with people with a full picture of human life at their disposal, the biggest regrets are so often the things not done, right? The words not spoken, the passions not pursued, the purposes not realized. And so seize the day. It, it, it moves us 
It calls us to account. It empowers us to take our own life by the horns. Now we're three weeks into our sermon series on the book of Judges. We're reading some ancient stories of local leaders who rose up to rescue the people of God from their their own ways and from oppressive foreign rulers. Last week, we read about Ehud, the left-handed assassin. And if you were here, it was certainly an entertaining story. If you missed it, you can always get caught up on our website or through our podcast. This week, we're reading another good story, that of Deborah, the only female judge, and Jael, who, let's just say, (laughs) seizes the day. She makes the most of her moment. Once again, this story is made for TV. If Amazon only knew the material that was in the book of Judges, right? Alexa, if you're listening, (laughs) Judges 4, great miniseries. So all that build up. Hear now a reading of of Judges chapter 4. After Ehud died, the Israelites again did things that the Lord saw as evil. The Lord gave them over to King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera. The Israelites cried out to the Lord because Sisera had 900 iron chariots and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of of Lipidoth, was a leader in Israel at the time. She would sit under Deborah's palm tree and the Israelites would come to her to settle their disputes. She sent word to Barak and said to him, hasn't the Lord, Israel's God, issued you a command? Go and assemble at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 men from the people of Naphtali and Zebulun with you. I'll lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, to assemble with his chariots and troops against you, and then I'll lead you to overpower him. Barak replied to her, if, you go, if you'll go with me, I'll go. But if not, I won't go. Deborah answered, I'll definitely go with you. However, the path you are taking won't bring honor to you because the Lord will hand over Sisera to a woman. Then Deborah got up and met with Barak. He summoned Zebulun and Naphtali and 10,000 men marched out behind him. Deborah marched out with him too. When it was reported to Sisera that Barak had marched up to Mount Tabor, Sisera summoned all of his 900 iron chariots and all of the soldiers who were with him. Then Deborah said to Barak, Get up this day, the Lord has handed Sisera over to you. Hasn't the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down with 10,000 men behind him. The Lord threw Sisera and all the chariots and armies into a panic before Barak. Sisera himself got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and the army, killing Sisera's entire army with the sword. No one survived. Meanwhile, 
Sisera had fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Herbert the Kenite, because there was peace between King Jabin and the family of Herbert the Kenite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, come in, sir, come in here. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent and she hid him under a blanket. Sisera said to her, please give me a little water to drink. I'm thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink and said to him and and hid him again. Then he said to her, stand at the entrance of the tent. That way, if someone comes and asks you, is there a man here? You can say no. But Jael, Herber's wife, picked up a tent stake and a hammer. While Sisera was sound asleep from exhaustion, she tiptoed over to him. She drove the stake through his head and down into the ground, and he died. Just then, Barak arrived after chasing Sisera. Jael went out to meet him and said, Come, I'll show you the man you're after. So he went with her, and there was Sisera, lying dead with the stake through his head. So on that day, God brought down Canaan's king, Jabin, before the Israelites. And the the power of the Israelites grew greater and greater over Canaan's king, Jabin, until they defeated him completely. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So another big story. There's so much good stuff in the Bible. So we have Deborah a female prophetess, and she's been serving as a judge of sorts. She calls Barak over and tells him to seize his moment, right, to assemble an army and take the land back. And he's only half willing, right? He demands that Deborah goes with him. She agrees, but infers because of his hesitation, the commander of the king's army would be delivered into the hands of a woman and she would get all the honor and praise. The battle ensues, the army's destroyed and and Sisera, the famous commander sent fleeing on foot. He finds the tent of a family who had been sympathetic to the king and is greeted by Jael. She puts the commander at ease, covers him with a blanket, gives him something to eat, stands on guard, and there she is in the doorway of the tent with Sisera, the commander of the king's army, asleep and defenseless. And what is a girl to do? What I would pay to hear the internal dialogue she has as she begins contemplating taking Sisera out. Should I do it? Should I call someone else? Maybe someone with a little more experience in taking people out? If I was to do it, how would I do it? Smother him with a pillow? That might take too long. Maybe use his sword, but that might wake him up. Or maybe, maybe a hammer and a big nail. At least that way, if he does wake up, he'll be pinned to the ground. The guts it would take to just, that's why the kids leave during this part. It's okay, right? They're doing something different this morning. 
the guts it would take to drive a nail through the head of a soldier. I literally almost bought a ballistics dummy head on Amazon, but my wife said that that would be one step too far. I guess the point is, Jael had plenty, plenty of good reasons to wait for someone else to deal with Sisera, right? Uh, to, To deal with this foreign and oppressive commander. But instead, she full blown seizes the day, doesn't she? She carpe diems with the best of them and drives a tent stake right through his head. For honest, have you ever wished you were a little more like Jael? Have you ever been presented with an opportunity and wished you had the guts to grab it, seize it, drive a nail through it? Have you ever found yourself daydreaming about things that that you'd love to do, wish you could do, if only, if only, and that's typically where the dreams end? If only the timing was right, if only someone would pick me or ask me directly to do it, if only I was stronger, smarter, richer, had a bigger tent stake at my disposal, if only I was ensured that things would work out, then I could step into that vision, then I could become the type of person, right, that I want to be, then I could, I could truly be me. And the list of reasons of why we miss opportunities, we fail to seize a moment, well, it's long. And in addition to the internal dialogue that, that often talks us out of taking the first swing with the hammer, I think we often fail to even recognize when opportunities present themselves. I'll stop using the the image of driving a tent through a head at some point. It's it's a lovely vision for a Sunday morning. But the truth is, that's that's likely not the type of opportunity that's presented to, to most of us on a regular basis. So what is? What are the opportunities we should be seizing, we should be looking for, and we should be grabbing hold of? It's easy to jump to business decisions or, or big picture, right, life choices. Should we move to the mountains? Should we move to the beach? Should we move in with our kids? Right, all massive moments that could be seized. But what about the little things? What about the, the soul things that we miss that sometimes we let pass by? Like what about an opportunity to, to forgive someone? You've been hurt maybe by someone who matters to you, and and the opportunity to forgive them is laying there right in front of you. You have all the power in your hands. Sure, we could wait for someone else to initiate it. We could wait till it no longer bothers us. But what about not waiting? What about grabbing the opportunity to forgive, seizing it, You never know what it could mean to the other person and and honestly, what it could do for yourself, your soul. The opportunity to forgive, to reconcile, to extend grace to the people in our lives, it, it pops up far more often than I think we always realize. What would it look like to to embody carpe diem, 
to take on the courage of Jael and just do it. Right? To take the leap of faith and forgive. What about an opportunity to, to encourage, to build up, to speak vulnerable words of, of love, acceptance, welcome? They already know that they're loved. They already know they're cared for, special, important to me. I don't actually need to say it. That could be awkward or maybe even off-putting. I wouldn't want to crowd them and make them feel like I'm being disingenuous. They know how much they're loved. But what if they don't? Right, reasons, reasons and more reasons that we miss opportunities to, to tell people what they truly mean to us, to check in on people, to speak loving words that could make all the difference in their day. What would it look like to embody carpe diem, to take on the courage of Jael, to seize the day and, and speak words that have the power to heal and amend? What about an opportunity to grow, to better ourselves, to to get ourselves right. Or maybe we know the thing that needs to be done. We know the habit that needs to be formed or the, the addiction that needs to be kicked. We're waiting for the perfect time. We're waiting to be pushed into it. We, we fear trying. We fear failing. Or we just give up too soon. I love the, the famous John Quincy Adam quote where he, he says, try and fail, I just don't fail to try. Deborah, Jael, a couple of category breaking women seizing the day. No chance they're gonna sit back and wait for someone else to run the show. They're in it, they're ready. They may not have everything they need, but they've, they've got a hammer and a big nail, a spirit of, of carpe diem. Listen, I, I know that this is an odd story once again, a violent story that raises questions of divinely sanctioned war and, and violence and killing, and, and we're gonna, we're gonna deal with some of that directly in weeks to come. But for now, find, find some in, in inspiration in the courage of these ladies. Be challenged by their chutzpah. And find at least one week way this week to, to live into a moment. You might make a mistake and it could sting for a while, but, but it's better than living with the words not spoken. Right, the risks not taken, the hands not raised, the events not attended, the, the passions not chased, the habits not formed, the gifts not given, the purposes not realized. Go do it. Grab a hammer, get to work, be the kind of person you know you can be. For even while we talk, envious time has fled. Seize the day, trusting as little as possible to the future. Amen.
I 